on this episode of the Jeff Does Vegas podcast. By meeting locals, I learn more and experience more about the destination. And by meeting other travelers, I learn about their country and I learn about their perspective on what I'm seeing because, of course, they come to the destination with a totally different frame of reference than I do. So the whole piece about meeting people on the road I find is one huge advantage to traveling solo. In Spanish, its name means the meadows. You might know it as the entertainment capital of the world, lost wages, or simply Sin City. Of course, I'm talking about fabulous Las Vegas, Nevada. On average, 42 million people visit Las Vegas every year, and I'm one of them. I love this city. The sights, the sounds, the shows, the people, the history. I want to share all of it with you. Taking you to the world-famous Vegas Strip and beyond, my name is Jeff, and this is the Jeff Does Vegas Podcast. Hey there, and welcome to episode number 86 of the Jeff Does Vegas Podcast. Before we get into this episode of the show, I want to take a moment to thank my guest from the last episode, Robert Harley, the host of Let's Get Vegasy on Facebook and YouTube. Robert was kind enough to hop on the podcast to talk about some of those hidden gems around the city that the locals love to visit, including pizza joints, steakhouses, and dive bars. If you haven't had a chance to listen as of yet, hop into the archives wherever you get your podcasts and search out episode number 85, Hidden Gems, or head to the website at jeffdoesvegas.com. All right, here we go. On to the show. I do a lot of solo traveling particularly to Las Vegas, but I've also done solo trips to other cities, including Toronto, Seattle, and Los Angeles. People often ask me what the appeal is of traveling solo. Don't I get lonely or bored? Do I ever worry about my safety? What does my wife think about me going on all these solo trips? The answers to those questions are, in order, no, no, and she's fine with it since I'm usually doing stuff she has no desire to do. Regardless, a lot of folks still won't pull the trigger on a solo vacation for a multitude of reasons. I'm hoping that my guest today might help a few people change their minds. Janice Waugh is the founder of Solo Traveler World, a website and online community devoted to people who love traveling solo. Janice shared what inspired her to launch the website. We talked about the best ways to plan a solo trip, which mistakes to avoid while traveling solo, and how to stay safe and out of trouble when you're on your own in a strange destination. Please enjoy my conversation with Janice Waugh. It comes out of a, a sad story, you know, quite genuinely. Um, my husband passed away when I was 49, and uh, we had been great travelers. Uh, I had been a traveler my entire life. At 15, I went on my first trip, and I never traveled with my parents again until <laughs> my mother turned 80, and she paid for us all to go. <laughs> um, so, um, so you know, I was a traveler. Um, my husband was a traveler. We got together, and we traveled as a couple. We traveled with kids. You know, our longest trip was 10 months. We took kids out of school. Um, and then about 
three, four years after that long trip, he passed away. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, that's the grieving is a rough road. And it was kind of an up and down journey. And about two years after he passed, it was a February, like more or less like this uh-huh. day in February on a Saturday. And uh, I'm sitting on the couch and going, you know, I could feel myself falling into the grief again. And I was like, no, this is not going to happen again. I've got to stop this. And I literally said, I guess I'm traveling solo. And uh, as a writer, uh, I picked up my my computer and which was of course beside me, of course. and uh, <laughs> and Googled it. And the first thing that came up was a really spammy site. And I thought, no, I'll, I'll yeah, I think I'll do this. I think I'll I'll uh, offer something that's more of a personal perspective. And I actually started it the next day. That was two thousand and nine. Really? Yeah. So I wasn't publishing the next day, but I, I, I knew nothing about blogging nor social media or anything. So I had to figure out a lot of things. The site actually launched at the end of April, but um, yeah, pretty fast turnaround. No kidding. And, and I mean, at that point too, social media was really just in its infancy. Yeah. Yeah. If you said you were on Twitter, people would respond like, who wants to know what you had for breakfast? <laughs> Right. That was always their response. So, um, yeah, it was early days. <laughs> and so you mentioned that you and your husband were quite frequent travelers. Um, were you a solo traveler prior to his passing away or was solo travel something that came out of that situation? Well, I had traveled solo a few times, like in my 20s. Uh, you know, I, a few different trips. I did my first Europe trip was solo. Uh, of course, into my 30s and the like, it's all raising family and hauling kids around and, and the like, but still traveled a lot. Still traveled five week trip, you know, in Europe with the kids it was the first time they got there. But um, when my husband was ill, I did take uh, a trip solo again, just as a to rejuvenate. Sure. Because it's a stressful time. And, um, uh, but but that was it, right? So the, in my twenties, and then this one trip, uh, you know, when he was ill, and then two years later, it was like, oh, I guess I'm going to do this. And my first trip, can I tell you? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> my first trip after I started the blog was a trip that I'd wanted to do with my son. And uh, we were, you know, he we were excited about the idea. But ultimately, he really didn't want to travel with his mother. Of course. (laughs) (laughs) So it was down the Blues Highway. It was from Chicago to New Orleans, down the Blues Highway. And uh, so I did it by train rather than driving by myself at that point and hit Chicago, Memphis, Jackson, Mississippi, and New Orleans and went to as many blues bars as I could. It was a great time. That sounds amazing. That's (laughs) And it's, it's one of those things where, I mean... It's something that you wanted to do. It's something you're interested in. And, and I, and this, this kind of leads into our, our discussion about solo travel is when you're doing something that maybe just you are interested in, you don't necessarily want to feel like you're dragging people or someone else around to maybe something that they might not necessarily be either interested in at all or as interested in as you, which can then affect your enjoyment. Oh, big time. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there are people that really like museums. I'm not one. Mm-hmm. 
right? So, uh, you know, for those people to to be traveling and not drag people into museums that they, you know, are not wanting to go into. Like, like yeah, you do what you want, when you want. You're on your own time schedule. You want to sleep in, you sleep in. You want to get up early, you get up early. There's no, you know, there's none of that. Um, there's no give and take. <laughs> you, actually, you just take. <laughs> it's pretty good. You know, because I mean, realistically, it's it's not just about being selfish, but we spend so much of our lives accommodating other people to go off for a week or two or more and uh, really follow your own rhythm is a very healthy thing to do because you rediscover that rhythm. I completely and totally understand where you're coming from. Um, I'm a massive aviation nerd. Doesn't matter if it is civilian or military. I am all over it like a fat kid on cake. Seattle is the home of Boeing. So back in 2015, I did a road trip to Seattle and I did essentially uh, an aviation museum tour. I did the Boeing Museum. I did the Boeing factory tour. Uh, Paul Allen, who co-founded Microsoft, he has his own flying heritage museum just outside of Everett. And then, of course, there's the giant museum of flight, the big one in Seattle. At the end of every day, I would get back to my Airbnb and I'd phone my wife to tell her about my day, sounding giddy like a schoolboy. And she would just say to me, I'm so happy you're doing this on your own. <laughs> of course. And on top of that, I bet that you met people that were equally passionate. Yes. As you. Yes, very much so. People that that were uh, similar situations to me, husbands that temporarily left their wives for a few days to go and <laughs> hang around giant airplanes for a few days. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So not only do you get to do what you want, really, but you also get to meet people that have similar interests that you would never otherwise meet. Right. And that's a, that's a great opportunity unto itself. Well, and something I think that people need to take into consideration when they are planning a solo trip, and this is is something I'd love to get your thoughts on, because whenever I have people ask me about solo vacations, I always say, okay, there's two big questions you need to ask yourself. Question number one, do I enjoy my own company? Because there are people who don't. There are people that don't like being alone. And number two when I do travel, am I the responsible one in the group of travelers? Am I the one handling the arrangements, handling the rental cars, handling the money, handling the ID, or am I the person who is sitting at the boarding gate getting ready to get on my flight going, oh, where is my passport? <laughs> yeah, no, I think those are two very good questions, but the, the wrong answer does not preclude going solo. Okay, so I was the one that lost everything, right? When I, we w I had this small company with my husband in the 90s, and we would travel and put on trade shows places. And they would, you know, the staff would take my passport, would take anything of importance from me to ensure that it made it to its destination and that I did as well. Okay. <laughs> so I am very much that person that was not in, in charge of everything. However, there was one time that, yes, I put my passport on a, on a, on a conveyor belt that was going the wrong place. But other than that, I've not, Oh no, there was a second time. But anyways, <laughs> <laughs> but other than that, you know, I have learned to, 
put things in the same place every time. And, and, and so it's not that you can't learn these things. It's just sometimes, you know, you don't choose to learn those things. So that part of it, I think you can still, you know, you can still travel solo. Just be mindful of where you're going and, 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 and how you're going. You might want to simplify things. Right. And the other part about um, not really being happy with your own company, I, I think that it's, uh, I think it's something that by going solo, you can discover that you actually are. And I think that that's a very healthy thing to do because, you know, ultimately there will be times in life, like when, when, you know, my husband died, right. And my kids were, you know, the, the youngest was 16, you know, and again, building into their own life, they're pretty well out the door, right. I had to be comfortable with my own company and it was a, it was a new thing for me. Ultimately, we're all going to be in that situation at some point in time. And, um, and so learning to be happy with yourself alone is, is a healthy thing because also, as you do so, you learn a lot about yourself. Mm-hmm. And you hit a little bit earlier on some of the advantages of, of traveling solo in that, I mean, you're not responsible to anybody else. You're not having to worry about dragging other people along or, or dealing with, with that whole issue. What are some of the other advantages of doing solo travel as opposed to traveling with a buddy or traveling with a significant other or traveling with a group of friends? Well, the big thing for me, the, the, the piece that I like the most is that you meet more people along the way. So what happens is that you meet more locals and you meet more travelers because you're by yourself. If you're traveling with someone, uh, whether one person or a bunch, um, you are focused on that person and you are creating a barrier for people to walk in. Whereas if you are by yourself, you are, you have left a lot of space for people to walk in, to help you, um, uh, to chat, whatever. And, uh, and so as a result, I meet more people traveling by myself and by meeting people, uh, lo- by meeting locals, I learn more and experience more about the destination. And by meeting other travelers, I learn about their country and I learn about their perspective on what I'm seeing, because of course they come to the destination with a totally different frame of reference than I do. So, the whole piece about meeting people on the road, I find is one huge advantage to traveling solo. I have met some of the most interesting and random people from all over the place when I've been traveling solo, whether it's been uh, sitting at the bar or um, sitting in a slot machine or sitting down eating my dinner at the bar at a restaurant. And, and it's really kind of forced me to a certain degree to step out of my comfort zone and, and do the exact opposite of what my mom taught me as a kid. And, and that was uh, talk to strangers. Yeah, it's very true. It's very true. It was very interesting. One of the things that I learned, so my, my late husband was an incredibly gregarious guy. He arrived in the room when the party started, that kind of thing, right? Um, and I, I am an introvert. But what I learned when I started traveling solo, you know, was that I had accumulated some of his characteristics. 
and that I had this ability to be gregarious when I wanted to be and to engage people in conversation and pull them in. And, uh, and so that has resulted in some really, really interesting conversations, some free meals, free drinks, <laughs> but uh, always a bonus with those. <laughs> always a bonus. Yeah. And you know, when it's only one person that you're buying for and you're there with two or three others, yeah, they tend to throw in the meal. <laughs> <laughs> It's it's kind of that whole situation of becoming the um, the extroverted introvert, if you will. Absolutely, yeah. I can't do it all the time, but I'm certainly capable of of, uh, of opening up. One of the things that people always, whenever I say I'm going to travel solo, people always kind of say, "Well, eating solo. How do you handle eating by yourself?" I mean. People, I think when they go into a restaurant as a, as a couple, they walk in and they see that person sitting by themselves and they kind of think, oh, <laughs> and I've always said, no, there's like a million advantages to, to being solo and, and going out to eat. So what, what kind of advice would you give to people who uh, are, are traveling by themselves, thinking of traveling by themselves? And yeah, I mean, you, you got to eat. Well, uh, yeah, there are a few. Um, first off, it depends upon what kind of person you are and whether you're really into uh, fine dining and restaurants and things of that nature or whether you're really food is sustenance and that's, that's what the deal is. Um, but, uh, you know, if you're interested in, you know, going to that great restaurant, uh, go at noon. It's the same chef. Same executive chef, right? That's designed the, the, the menu, etc. And you're going there at a time where it's a much more casual environment. You'll likely feel more comfortable. The lighting's not as low and romantic, right? <laughs> so, uh, so if that's if that's what you're after, you know, that's what I recommend. Otherwise, uh, dinner time, you know, go and eat at the bar. Most restaurants have bars and you eat at the bar, you either chat at the bartender or the person beside you. It becomes a more social uh, experience and you don't feel like you're sitting across from no one if that's your concern. Otherwise, you know, use the time, sit at a table, plan your next day, uh -huh. right? Review the photos that you've had, you know, and enjoy that. And then, of course, there are those dinner experiences that are designed to that, that do bring people together. So if you were to go on a cruise, a dinner cruise, for example, they're not going to give you a single table. Right. Right. They've got to pack as many people on as possible. And so you're automatically with a group. You know, maybe it's a, a couple, maybe it's three people, whatever. You're automatically with a group and you're automatically social. And the thing is about when you're traveling solo and you're doing that type of thing is that you are novel. You are interesting. You know, what is going on with you that you can go out into this world and do this by yourself? Yeah, there's a bit of the exotic that can be attached to the solo traveler. I love that you bring up the idea of going out to a fancy restaurant and eating at lunch as opposed to eating at dinner with the romantic lighting. One of the weirdest experiences I ever had was at a restaurant and it wasn't weird, but just it felt weird was at one of the restaurants in Vegas. I really wanted to go out for a steak. So I went out and I sat at a table because I didn't necessarily want to sit at the bar and I'm at the table by myself. And the, the, the host, when he seats me 
lights the candle at the table and it just felt weird. Like I'm having this romantic candlelit dinner by myself. (laughs) (laughs) It just, again, it just, it was one of those weird things that just kind of stuck in your head. And I thought next time I'm sitting at the bar, (laughs) (laughs) but I I do love the idea of sitting at the bar. I've always found there's tons of advantages to it. I mean, you tend to get, seated faster there's no lines you're in and out quicker and and as you say you you do tend to meet some really interesting people whether it's as you say the bartender or other patrons no exactly and you know almost everywhere in the world there are people that are traveling for business and they're going by themselves Mm -hmm. right so for them to have someone to talk to you know they love it yeah yeah Safety always seems to be one of the big concerns that people have when you talk to them about uh, traveling solo. And I guess maybe it's that whole idea of safety in numbers. You're more likely to be safer if you're with another person. Um, What are some of the tips that that you give to people uh, when they ask about solo traveling and safety? Well, um, I kind of have a priority of, of things. I mean, your, your first, your first concern is yourself, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the second concern is your documents, then your money, and then your stuff, right? Because in terms of, of order of priority, in terms of what can be replaced and what can't. Sure. <laughs> your stuff can be replaced, your money, then, then your documents, then you. So um, I think that it's really important to think in those terms. Uh there are like a zillion tips of things that one can do. Make sure you carry the card of the, 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 your hotel or wherever you're staying. Um, you know, be aware of your surroundings, follow your instincts, all of those kind of things. But I think, you know, a couple of the fundamentals that I think are really important is to stay in a public place. Uh-huh. You know, sometimes when you meet people, you are encouraged to, you know, head off. Let's, you know, there's a party going on over here, come on and join us. And it's like, no, I don't think that's a good idea, Uh right? Because public is safer than private. You do have the, the norms that go on in a public place. If something is going, going wrong, you can yell, you can scream, whatever. Right. So I think that uh, that's just a really important fundamental of safety. Um, And another is uh, to, to, uh, to use other people in your safety. So if you are uncertain about something, to look around and find the person that you want to, to help you in the situation. So I remember coming out of um, a, uh, a show in, in New York City. And uh, in New York City, I got, I got turned around. And all I needed to do was like, I just need to know where the park is. And I don't know where the park is. <laughs> because once I know that, I know which is up and down, right? Yeah. And uh, so I looked around and I saw a couple with a, a teenager, right? And a, a family is probably going to be safer than going up to an individual, right? So, and in you going up to them, the chances of you going to the wrong person are much lower than the chances of a wrong person coming to you, uh-huh. right? So it's just, you know, engage other people in your safety. And, and then another fundamental is that if, if you're being bothered by someone, right, be prepared to be rude. Uh-huh. It's not my inclination, 
but you know, one must need to be prepared to be rude. I was in a train station in uh, in India, and this guy was, you know, kept on coming up. I will help you, madame. I will help you. Da, da, da. And I just, I said in my most dismissive voice, or, or not dismissive, terrified. I don't know what it was. But it was like, my brother does not allow me to speak to strange men. <laughs> 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 and he was like, gone. Right? So, um, you know, as opposed to no, thank you. No, no, thank you. <laughs> like none of that. Just deal with it. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So there are some fundamentals, but there are also lots, lots and lots of, of tips. You know, it's interesting. I never would have in a million years ever thought of the whole idea of looking for help from the quote unquote least threatening person or a group of people, as you say, approaching like a family and asking for help as opposed to being offered help in a, in a weird situation. My wife and I had had something happen to us a few years ago when we were in, in Dublin, we were in Ireland and we were taking the bus to go to the train station and the bus stopped well short of where we were expecting it to be. It, 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 there was construction and all kinds of road closures and stuff. And, and the driver came on in his cheery Irish accent and said, end of the line, everybody off. And my wife and I kind of looked at each other with this look of panic and a gentleman came over and asked us, well, where are you going? Where do you need to get to? And we said, we're going to the train station. And he said, oh, follow me. No problem. And like idiots, we did. And as we're walking in my head, I start thinking, because I'm a worst case scenarioist, anybody who knows me well knows this, I start thinking, oh my God, we are absolutely 100% getting mugged here. Now that didn't happen. We didn't get dragged off to an alley and robbed or anything like that. He was a lovely gentleman who, who did take us to the train station and explained the routes and all that kind of stuff. But looking back on it now, that could have gone very badly for us. <laughs> yeah, I, I think, I mean, I, the majority of people are good. Mm -hmm. And I think that we need to trust that. But, you know, when you're traveling solo and when I'm asked, you know, I do suggest that you make the choice rather than letting someone else choose you. Because if you're looking vulnerable and there happens to be someone around that is looking for someone vulnerable, for example, at a train station, right? Mm -hmm. And there are people that lurk train stations, it's not the best time to be looking vulnerable and letting someone else choose you. Mm -hmm. So, so you make the choice. One of the safety tips that I've heard and I've seen posted in various places is the whole idea of, of trying to avoid standing out, you know, don't, don't dress like a tourist. Don't walk around carrying a map. Are those still particularly for solo travelers? Are those still valid pieces of advice? Uh, you know, I do it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's pretty hard to, I mean, don't dress like a tourist. What does that mean? And yes, I get a map out every once in a while, or I follow, you know, Google Maps on my phone or whatever. Um, yeah, you're looking a little, you're, you look like a tourist, but, uh, uh, but I've never had any problems with that. And I think it also depends on where you are and whether you're in a public place again. Sure. Right. So if if it's at night and there's no one around and you're doing that, oh no, I'd be I'd be just you know walking with great authority and walking right into the closest hotel I found, mm -hmm. right? But if it's the middle of the day and you know you're in, in, the, in the, the the middle of, you know in a high street in London, what's it going to do? I like your point about 
walking with authority and looking like you know where you're going and if you have to popping into a hotel to uh, or or somewhere safe to just kind of reset the situation i had something similar to that happen to me um last year downtown los angeles i made the decision to following an event uh walk from the event to my hotel not really realizing exactly how far it was and along the way kind of got a, a little bit skeeved out a little bit weirded out by the situation and thought no you know what i popped into a hotel and ordered a, a an uber it was like a five dollar uber ride but it was probably the best decision that i ever made and i think some of that comes back to the the discussion or the the point about um trusting your instincts you know if your spidey sense starts tingling just reset the situation for yourself absolutely absolutely i was walking in uh, memphis and i'm walking and there's no one on the street i'm going oh my god there's no one on this midday why is there no one on the street and so i saw this architect's office i thought well they know the city <laughs> and i went and to open the door and it was locked and there were people inside so i knocked and uh, they let me in and, and I said what I was doing and where I was going. And they said, oh, it's only 10 minutes away. It's all safe from here on, right? So there are so many ways that you can engage people in your safety, just sometimes for reassurance. Sure. Or sometimes like you did was like, no, it's better just to hop in an Uber. Uh, and, and this is another thing too, when when you're by yourself to to ask the people, ask the locals, I mean, I have no problem walking up to a concierge at a hotel desk, no matter what city I'm in and saying, okay, this is where I'm going. I'm thinking of walking. And if they get that look on their face of, I know, okay, I'm not going to walk. I'm going to, I'm going to find an alternate way to get there. Or I just jokingly ask, you know, how stabby is the neighborhood? <laughs> I've never used that one before. That's incredible. <laughs> So again, I mean, don't be afraid to, to talk to the hotel concierge and, and ask for help. That's, that's what they're there for. That's what they're being paid for. That's right. And any hotel. And that's, that's the important thing. So I was going, I was, I arrived in Tokyo, took the train from the, from the airport, arrived at the, the, the train station. I knew I was staying at a hostel then. And the hostel I knew was only like maybe a 15 minute walk, 20 minute walk, but God, I couldn't figure out which way was up, right? And right beside the train station was a Shangri-La hotel. So this is a pretty high-end hotel. I walk in there with a backpack on my back <laughs> and a little day pack on my front into this fancy hotel, and they treated me as if I was any other guest. Right. And uh, they said, we think that you should take, you know, with all that you're carrying, <laughs> we think that you should take a taxi. And she called the concierge or the, the doorman or whomever. Right. And uh, arranged for me to get a taxi and put me in the elevator down to the, to the level where the taxis were coming. And off I went. You don't even have to be you don't even have to be in the hotel. Right. Stay in the hotel. Nor do you even have to look like you should belong there. <laughs> And people will help you. So I guess that kind of leads nicely into my next question then. What are some of the other big mistakes that you see people making as solo travelers? Well, I think, you know, one of them is 
just not really having a sense of where you are. I think it's really important to study a city map before you go somewhere so that you get a sense of what's up and what's down. Mm-hmm. Uh, because then if you can get your sense of direction, even if it requires asking someone where the park is, right, um, it it, uh, it bodes well for you to be navigating the city, mm-hmm. right, which you're probably going to do a lot on foot because if you're traveling, you walk so that you can actually appreciate the local environment, the local atmosphere, right? So I think that that's really important. Um, arriving uh, in the dark at a you know at your new destination, so that you get to your hotel and it's night, and and say you get there and it's like, whoa, this is a hotel I will not stay in. Um, that's a problem. Whereas if you schedule your arrival you know, kind of early afternoon, mid-afternoon, you get to go there and you get to make your decision, right? And if you need to rearrange things, you can, mm-hmm. right? I think, I think that that's, that's really important. Are there any kind of activities that you would recommend against for a solo traveler or to keep things more on a, on a positive spin? Are there any types of activities that you would recommend for a solo traveler? I really like the uh, visitor programs that are available in cities around the world where you get someone, a local has volunteered to take tourists around. And, uh, and these are great opportunities and they're free. I mean, you make a little donation to, um, to the website and, um, and you might bring a small gift Like from Canada, you'd bring a little bottle of of maple syrup or something of that nature. But you get to wander a neighborhood for over an hour with a local. And Mm -hmm. that ensures that you really, you get to ask them all the questions that you walk around wondering anyways, right? So that's that's just a really wonderful thing to do. I would always recommend people to sit down and watch, Mm -hmm. right? Just take your time and sit down and watch the world go by. Watch how they get on the bus. Are they lining up or are they in a big bunch, right? And what does that tell you about the culture? And, uh, and look for gaps in, in, um, in, the, in the cityscape, right? There's a big hole in the cityscape. Why is that, right? I was in one town in northern Germany and this street had like all these missings. It was a street that was well bombed out and it's not an affluent city. And this is from World War II, right? So what I was seeing was the, the effect of World War II in this small town. So just look for these anomalies that you wouldn't necessarily see by being quiet. Ride a bike, take a bike tour, you know, uh, and, uh, and, or take a walking tour. Bus tours, they're okay, but they don't, they move too quickly. When you're, when you're experiencing a place at the, at, the, at the pace of your feet or the pace of a bike, you are going to get a better handle on what's, what it's like. I love that piece of advice surrounding bus tours. So many people ask about doing bus tours to places like Hoover Dam or Grand Canyon, 
And I know for me personally, bus tours have absolutely no appeal. I, I personally, I kind of think they're, they're my own personal hell <laughs> would be a bus tour living here in Calgary and making treks out to the Rocky mountains of Banff and Lake Louise. I see the bus tours. I see people roll in on the bus. They get off the bus. They wander around for 15 minutes. They take a bunch of pictures. Then they get back on the bus and they disappear. My mind, that is no way to to take in some of these sites. If you're on your own, particularly, and you want to check out spots like Hoover Dam or Grand Canyon, which in the big scheme of things are really not that far away from Las Vegas, rent a car for the day. Absolutely. And when you're talking about Vegas, right, if you want to get to the Grand Canyon, rent a car, book one night overnight in a hotel, and go to the North Rim. Mm -hmm. Don't go to the South, because that's where all the buses go. Yeah. Right? Go to the North Rim and drive by a couple of the other parks en route, right? Because it's, it, like, it's spectacular there. Yeah, it is. My, uh, my wife and I actually did a, a drive from Vegas to the Grand Canyon and around Arizona last fall, and it was absolutely breathtaking. The only thing more breathtaking uh, than the canyon itself were all the idiots who climb on the edge of the rocks to to do yoga or pose for Instagram photos. That absolutely just drove me nuts and just had me on edge the whole time. <laughs> Yeah, on that one. Um, Janice, if people want to search out Solo Traveler World online as far as social media and the website, which, by the way, is is an amazing website with tons of great information on there. I highly recommend uh, people go and check it out. If they want to find you, how do they go about doing that? Sure. Um, the URL is simply solotravelerworld.com. And uh, since we're Canadian, it can be found both with a double L and a single L. Hey, look at that. <laughs> <laughs> on Instagram, we're Solo Traveler. Twitter, we're Solo Traveler. Uh, on Facebook, we are the Solo Travel Society. <laughs> so kind of went off brand there to make it more um, sense of ownership amongst the people right. that are participating there. And there are about 260,000 wow. people there. So um, it's very dynamic. There are There's lots of activity every day, lots of sharing of information there every day. Awesome. Again, I highly recommend people check out the website, check out the social media. There is just a, a, a cavalcade of information on there. And if you've ever debated on doing a solo trip and you are too scared, too nervous, don't know where to begin. It's a, a great community on the website and social media that are, are, are going to help you out with that and encourage you to, to do so. Uh, Janice, thank you again for taking time to jump on the podcast and have a chat today. Really appreciate it. Thank you. This was great fun. Once again, if you want to learn more about Janice and her team at Solo Traveler and connect with the Solo Traveler community, click the links in the show notes at jeffdoesvegas.com. And that wraps up another episode of the podcast. 
If you've got feedback on this episode of the show, or any other episode for that matter, or if you've got suggestions for ideas and topics you'd like me to cover on the podcast, please feel free to reach out to me via Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at JeffDoesVegas. You can also drop me an email directly at Jeff at JeffDoesVegas.com. In the meantime, thank you so much for checking out the show. Be sure to subscribe for free wherever you get your podcasts so you'll know the moment new episodes are available. And don't forget to visit JeffDoesVegas.com for past episodes and show notes. My name is Jeff, and this has been episode number 86 of the Jeff Does Vegas podcast. 